Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you. The mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids, from the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with the hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. For this series, we are walking through the parable of the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. And the goal for this series is simply to dive into the family dynamic of both the younger and older son, the family as a family unit. And I'll be kicking off this series focusing on the younger son within the parable. And I would definitely encourage you to take three or four minutes to read the parable. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And I'm not going to be reading the entire section, but only a highlighted series of verses to describe points of view as it relates to parenting. So as we dive into Luke chapter 15, we have a little bit of context here. So there is a wealthy man with two sons, and the younger son, the younger of the two sons, comes across as Mr. Know-it-all. And he confronts his father about wanting his inheritance, and the father gives it to him. He then takes the inheritance, sells all of the property and the animals for money, and lives for the world. Unfortunately, he spends it all. He runs out of money and is left with nothing and no one. And the parallel of this story is one of the greatest fears I have as a dad, and that is seeing one of my kiddos walk away from our family to pursue worldly pleasures and forsake the goodness of God. So Luke chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, these three verses are what I'm focusing on, and it says right in verse 18, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So this is the aftermath of the story. So we go through the entire scene where he interacts with his father. He gets the inheritance. He sells it. He lives. Um, I think it uses the word reckless living. And he just kind of squanders that wealth, does everything under the sun. And then he comes to his senses. And so for those parents that have children who have gotten a little older and have walked away from the Lord, these few verses are a dream. They're a hope. Because in essence, it's saying my child finally got some sense knocked into him. The joy it must feel to have a child return back to the family after making foolish mistakes and burning bridges and essentially running away from everything that is good for them. This really is one of my biggest fears as a dad. And the beauty of this passage is that it offers hope. Eventually, the the younger son returns, pleading for forgiveness. His heart was changed. It doesn't say how long it took. You know, it could have been a few weeks or a few months, maybe even a few years. God's word doesn't specifically say, but I know there are people out there, parents, who have been praying for their own prodigal children for decades, hoping that they will return to the Lord. 
Now, as much as I want to fit into the perspective of the father in this parable here, I have to restrain myself because in a few weeks, that episode will be posted. But this is solely focusing on the younger son. And I'm trying to enlighten you into what might be going on in his head, his heart, and what ultimately we can do as parents that are in this type of situation. So if you haven't figured it out already, this parable really dives into the relationship between God and his people. How often we, as sinful human beings, rebel against God directly or simply take him for granted and try to pursue our own dreams and desires. And this is kind of difficult because there is nothing wrong with simply pursuing what we're passionate about. God created us to have unique interests and skills that fit a particular mold of work whether that be using your hands and your body or using your mind, or maybe a combination of the two. But so often as children, we have at some point a hardcore rebellious stage where we want to do what we want to do and not be told otherwise, whether that's from God or from our earthly parents, of which, you know, most of our parents try to guide us in the right direction. And I say most because some parents shouldn't be parents. You know, some parents are abusive or neglecting or careless people that trap their kids in cages and don't feed them or care for them or love them like they deserve. You know, most parents try their best to care for their kids. And a lot of times there will be a point where a child wants to branch off and do their own thing away from the guidance and away from the restrictions of their parents. You might be enduring that right now. And you know what? That can be at age 13. It could be at age 23. There's really no magic age where it happens. And at times, rebellion really isn't rebellion at all. It could just be a misconception where your kid is simply stretching their wings and learning to mature and grow as they transition into adulthood. But in the case of the younger son, this was rebellion. He wanted to pursue the high life of fancy clothes and food fit for kings, and he wanted to hang around all the wealthy people, you know, living large, the big time. Maybe he even thought he had arrived at the point in life where everything was perfect. We in the U.S. can find ourselves with this greedy attitude often, looking at the wealth of Hollywood or the NFL, people enjoying fancy drinks on a yacht off the coast of Florida, living large, having a good time. And it all seems like paradise. And you know, I have found myself wanting these large dreams sometimes. And there really is nothing wrong with yachts or fancy drinks. I mean, honestly, if somebody famous invited me to have dinner with them or invited me to go on their yacht, I would probably say yes. I'd have, you know, a good time, good conversation. But this isn't what happens in the parable. You know, the younger son takes what he believes is his and abandons his family. There was no return in his game plan. Asking for the inheritance is basically saying, I would rather have you dead so that I can have all the benefits you worked for. That's basically what he's saying to the father, to his father in this story. And any culture, whether it's Middle Eastern culture or American culture, can presume that a good-natured father would deny this request. 
with such a poor attitude. Nobody in their right mind would agree to this. But in the story, the father does. Which, this in turn, transitions the father in the story, not as a human father, but relates the father to God. Someone who loves without condition. However, this early request from the younger son, it severs the relationship. Not just between the son and the father, but the son and the entire family. And you have to understand that this isn't some isolated incident. You know, in in the parable, really there's only three main characters. It's the father, the younger son, and the older son. But there's some context here that most likely other family members, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents are around. And it's implied in this story, as well as the previous two parables, that there are other people engaged or interacting or simply in the background. The younger son is removing himself from any connection whatsoever to his family. And maybe you've experienced something like this before. Your son or daughter said something or did something so outrageous that it's as though there is no coming back from it. You know, as I mentioned before, mom, dad, you might have experienced something like this, this abandonment or this rebellion. And I don't know what your limit is, but usually there's something that just seems so far out in left field that it's, it's almost like your kid is possessed. You know, perhaps your daughter was sleeping around, you know, got pregnant, had an abortion, and you found out. Or maybe your son got into drugs and got caught up with some bad people and bad influences and completely rejects any help you offer as you see his life rapidly spiraling downward. You know, regardless of the circumstance, what the younger son is doing in this parable appears to be the point of no return. And what kind of heartbreak this brings to the father. We can't possibly imagine how God feels when one of his children walks away from him. It's as though we ask for his blessings and gifts, but do what we want to do anyways. And we can relate to the younger son in that way. How often is it that we would rather pursue our own dreams and desires and don't even acknowledge the loving father who allows us to even have breath? And later on, something happens, though. Something happens in the heart of the younger son as he runs out of his inheritance. He's left eating among the pigs and is starving to death. And he humbles himself and decides to go and apologize and beg for forgiveness and offers himself up as a servant to his dad. He's trying to make amends and restore that relationship. And the mere effort here is that of God working in his heart. The stubbornness of people keeps on digging a deeper hole. You've seen that. And it truly is only an act of God that can allow the younger son to even have the motivation to approach 
his father, let alone act upon it. And there's both. I want to take some time to focus on how this would work in our families today. So let's say your child had abandoned the family, you know, several years ago. Maybe they pursued themselves and broke off any connection. You know, no contact, no communication, no desire to talk or meet. They just simply, silently left. The anger and the heartbreak. And in all honesty, it's, it's kind of the whole grieving process It's as though your child has died. And you as a parent, you're going to fight for your kid. You're going to do everything you possibly can to encourage them, to love them, to point them in the right direction. But ultimately, there might come a time where they just simply have to learn the hard way. And maybe they will never learn. But that doesn't mean you stop caring for them or stop praying for them or loving them from a distance as much as you can. You know, as I enter into the real life with the Smiths here, I can't say that I've experienced such a devastating blow to family. I haven't experienced a word or an action that was so obnoxiously painful that it was without restoration. I've seen the potential. I've seen where myself or family members said or did something where it could have led to a separation or it could have led to a severed relationship, a a permanent severed relationship. But when we look at this passage in regards to the younger son, it is a story of redemption for sure. But there are two polar opposite pieces in this story. And that first piece is abandonment, this sense of permanent separation from the family. He had no intention on returning to his father. This was a selfish, shameless act that completely broke off any restoration potential, at least from a worldly perspective. The other piece is that of humility softening of the heart, and the younger son returning to his father and offering himself as a servant. He's not entitled like he was before. He's not arrogant like he was before. Something had changed in him. And you know, it's kind of fun to to see this play out, especially if you have a college-aged kid. You know, they go off to college, and, and sometimes when they return they're a little more respectful or appreciative of you. But also, the opposite could happen. They return home for the summer and think that they can live like they have been living the last nine months and forget that there are rules they still need to follow if they're living under your roof. But there are so many instances that I've experienced that that could have been permanent separation from my family. And I didn't know exactly what would happen. And most of these issues were minor. But I do remember telling my parents one time, you know, I was going on a missions trip to the Middle East. I think I was in, oh, I was a junior in college. And uh, they were completely against it. Like, practically, like, forbidden me, forbade, forbade me to go. And I remember telling them that I wasn't asking them to go. I was telling them that I was going. 
And the heartbreak on my mom's face when I came home and asked for my passport, it was gut-wrenching because I know they didn't want me to go for my own protection, but I felt clearly led by the Holy Spirit to go on this trip. And I remember driving back up to Mount Pleasant for school with a few of my roommates, and it was silent the entire hour-and-a-half car ride. And I remember thinking to myself that that very well could be the last time I ever see my parents. You know, would they forsake me? I had no idea. Because I'd never really gone against their wishes before. Now, the parallel of the story is a little bit different because it wasn't direct rebellion against God. Um, my, my situation, it was actually direct obedience to his call. And my parents uh, were going to be the stumbling block. And in Matthew chapter 10, it says, If you love your parents more than me, then you are not worthy of me. And this is Jesus talking here. And I really struggled with that passage But ultimately, God used it for good, and my family's still intact nowadays and is still really close. But my encouragement to you as a parent, if you have a child who is attempting to separate or sever the relationship between you, ask God for a change of heart. He's the only one that can change it. And perhaps you as the mom or dad are acting like the younger son. You know, ask God to change your heart and help you to parent well with godliness and love and grace and mercy. And you know, next week we look at the interaction of the older brother in this parable and make some comparisons between the two brothers. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you who are listening. We appreciate all of your support. And thanks again. This is The Walk.